I have an isolated house and a cow to one grass, a plant garden running by the door. I have a shelter for the hens, a stable for the ass. What could a man want more? Maybe so, oh, I don't know, for a bachelor is easy and he's free. And I've lots to look after, but I'm living all alone, and there's no one looking after me. You're listening to Formby Podcast. In this podcast, we're looking at Percy French. Percy French, an Irish singer, songwriter, poet, watercolour master, an all-rounder, lived in the early 1900s. He used to visit Formby quite often, visiting his cousin, the vicar at Holy Trinity Church. He worked with the vicar, his cousin, to raise funds for the church. A memorial held at St Luke's Church in Formby, where Percy French is buried, was held in January 2022. I have an isolated house and a cow to one grass, a plant garden running by the door. I have a shelter for the hens, a stable for the ass. What could a man want more? Maybe so, oh I don't know, for a bachelor is easy and he's free. And I've lots to look after, but I'm living all alone. And there's no one looking after me. Now, my father often told me I should go and have a try to find the girl who owns a bit of land. And I know the way he says it, there's someone in his mind. Me mother, she has the whole thing planned. Maybe so, oh I don't know. But with modified and great to agree. Now there's little Bridget Flynn, and it's her I want to win. But she doesn't throw her eye to me. Now, there's a little girl who is worth a waiting gold, and that's a decent dowry, don't you see? And I mean to go and ask her as soon as I get bold, if she'll come and have an eye for me. Will she go? Oh, I don't know. But I'd love to have her sitting on my knee. And I'd sing like a thrush on a hawthorn bush if she'd just have an eye for me. Uh, John quietly mentioned the, um, the blue plaque, and I went up to the market for the meeting. We went to see it, and uh, I walked up.
station at Fre uh, Freshfield, Sir Thomas Fresh. The other one is for an author you might have heard of, Beryl Bainbridge. Um, we have a blue plaque for Beryl Bainbridge. And now we have the plaque for Percy French. And only the other day, I used that route from where I live to go to the shops. Uh, and it was just nice to see people stopping and reading plaque and having thought that uh, along with Councillor David Irving, who's here, and his wife Yvonne, and with John, uh, the three of us really, between us, managed to conjure up to the, uh, the funding and to get the plaque done. And then I have obviously visited the house, Greenlee, uh, which is the house where the plaque is in Wick Lane, and met Paul and Pat Burton, who are here. There they are. Um, they now live in the house where Percy died um, and got their permission. Now sometimes people don't give permission. There's a, an artist, a local artist, who we won't go into it now, who wanted, they wanted to put a blue plaque on the house where they lived and the people who live in the present house didn't want it, so you can't enforce a blue plaque on people. Uh, but um, Mr. and Mrs. Brereton were delighted to have the uh, plaque on the wall of their house and as um, has already been pointed out on your programmes, that is a picture of it with uh, Davy the cat um, in position. That's really before Percy French's uh, flag was uh, set as the cat's spot, so the cat takes precedence in the picture. Um, but anyway, uh, the Brotons were delighted to have this flag put onto their house. Um, we discussed where it would go, where not round the corner on the college path where it might have been vandalised, but uh, in full view on Wicks Lane at a very readable height. Um, and we had a little ceremony when it was in fact um, put up a couple of weeks, uh, months ago now. And <coughs> Mrs. Broughton very kindly gave us a surprise, Civic Society people and myself, very nice um, reception in the house, uh, which is a beautiful house and full of atmosphere. I knew the people who lived there, incidentally, before they did. I knew the Taylors, Julian and Antonia Taylor lived in that house uh, before uh, Mr. and Mrs. Brereton, and I don't think they realised that the Taylors, the significance of the house. Thank you very much, Jerry, and let me just say that I am really honoured to be here today as Consul General for the North of England, but also as a fan of Percy French. Jerry uh, was talking earlier about the bard of my youth, and certainly I would have had that experience as well. My own exposure to Percy French um, and his genius dates back to my childhood. Uh, my father is a very good singer, not unlike Jerry, uh, and would often also call Jerry, in fact, uh, and would often be called on to sing at family gatherings or at pub sing songs down the country, as we would say. And often the song he sang was a Percy French number. So I grew up hearing the classics like Are You Right There, Michael, and The Mountains of Morning. However, my father's personal favourite, as if a, a personal connection, is Philip Cooper's Ball. Um, and the inspiration for that came from a tale told by Percy French to his friend, the Reverend James Godley, about a suitor in his parish of Perigallon, County Leitrim, who gave a ball to raise money to help pay his own rent. And my father was born and raised in Perigallon. So we have the personal connection. Indeed, my grandmother apparently knew the now the 
then elderly ladies who were the models for the beautiful Miss Bradys in their private Aston cart. Oh. <laughs> you see them coming into Carrigallan in their private Aston cart up on market day. So I'm not alone in having grown up listening to the songs of Percy French songs. The fact that we are gathered here today to remember Percy French over a hundred years after his death, the fact that so many people are still familiar with his songs and that they can still be heard sung at concerts, in pubs and at family gatherings, is evidence that these are more than just witty ditties. His songs tell of an Ireland of times past, now long disappeared, and yet they are also timeless and familiar. The characters he conjures up, chancers and dreamers, parents and lovers, often unrequited, and proud men and women full of their own self-importance can still be recognised today. You probably all have heard of a Percy French song or recognised a character and go, I know who he's talking about there. And that, I suppose, comes from the fact that Percy French was a real close observer of humanity. And we've heard how he enjoyed being out with the people and hearing the stories. And certainly he found inspiration in tales like the one of Philip Fluter, um, or overhearing conversations and pieces of gossip and using those scraps of everyday life to weave together clever songs describing situations and characters that still appeal to us today. I suppose most importantly, given that I'm here representing uh, the Consulate of Ireland, is perhaps for those of us away from Ireland, the fact that Percy Stop French gave expression to the feelings and emotions of the emigrant. He was able to capture the experience of leaving loved ones behind, such as in the emigrant song, where the young man thinks, the salt waters got into my head, for it drips from my eyes when I call to my mind the friends and the colleagues I'm leaving behind. He also described brilliantly the bewilderment of the emigrant, finding himself in a new, strange land where there's gangs of them digging for gold in the streets. And Percy French also recognised and no doubt witnessed the loneliness that emigration creates for the families left behind, beautifully expressed in an Irish mother. And the old man's heart rejoices when I read they're doing fine, but it's oh to hear their voices and to feel their hands in mine. And it is the expression that Percy French gave to these enduring human emotions, along with his brilliant wit, and ability to capture so pithily those human foibles that we're all familiar with that has made his legacy so enduring. And it's wonderful to be here today to be able to commemorate that. But finally, I would just like to express my thanks to all involved in making today happen, to the Reverend uh, Dr. Matt Davis and to the Parish of St. Luke's, to Forby Civic Society, to the Percy French Society in Ireland, though I know many of them weren't able to attend, but I hope we'll see them here again. To Skillian Theatre Company, uh, to Martin and Annette uh, from Irish and UK TV, and to the Liverpool Irish Centre. But of course, most of all, to Jerry Mullenby, for his tireless work in promoting and commemorating not just Percy French, but so many aspects of Irish life and heritage here in England. So if you would like to join me, please, in thanking uh, Jerry. There's one song um, he wrote about the West Clare Railway, and for some reason, at the age of six, I was 
down in my local butcher shop. My mom used to send me down to connect the Sunday roast. And his name was Michael Howran. This is 1960, two or three. And um, for some reason, I ended up singing, and you're right there, Michael, the West Clare River, which goes something like this. You may talk of Columbus' sailing across the Atlantic Sea, but he never tried to go ready from Ennis as far as the key. You'll run for the train in the morning. The excursion train starts about eight. You're there when the clock gives a warning, and therefore an hour you will wait. And as you're sitting in the train, you'll hear the guard make this refrain. <whistles> are you right there, Mike? And are you right? Do you think we'll be there before the night? Oh, you've been so long in starting, you couldn't say for certain, and you might. No, Mike, so you might. <whistles> you're a person, friend. The Mountains of Moon is a combination between the lyrics by Professor French and the music by um, Houston Collinson. Houston Collinson was a great um, partner with Percy. He was a priest, he was a, an organist and a composer, former in his own right. Um, but it's fair to mention that he, the, the, the melody of um, The Mountains of Moon is also quite similar to an old Irish air called Caradhoon. And, and Thomas Moore used it uh, in um, Bendemir's Stream, Bendemir Stream. So it's an old Irish um, tune. But the combination of Percy French and Houston Collinson gave it longevity. And Dominic Keynes made it famous for it. And it, it survives today because of, of what they did together. Uh, Asa Murphy was a great singer from Liverpool, first generation Irish. Um, Oh Mary, this London's a wonderful sight, and the people here working by day and by night. They don't soak potatoes nor barley nor wheat, but there's gangs of them digging for gold in the streets. At least when I asked them, that's what I was told. So I took a hand at this digging for gold, but for One day I was crossing the strand and he stopped the whole traffic with a wave of his hand. And as we were talking of days that are gone, the whole population of London looked on. But for all his great power, he's wishful like me to be back where the dark morns sweep down to the sea. Thank you. Percy was also a, a poet and a painter. I mean, this, this is a copy of a painting by Percy French, which was donated by the Percy French Society, who, who come here regularly and, um, to visit his grave. And this was donated in the year 2000. And uh, it's a lovely... Um, copy of a Percy French uh, watercolor. Um, someone said, is it, is it an original? I saw that when we came up to the planning meeting that Mac referenced. If that was an original, I wouldn't have come back. <laughs> um, um, a little poem by Percy French about a lady 
a young woman can't decide what to do with her life. I'm simply surrounded by lovers since Dad made his fortune in land. The coming in droves like the plovers to act from behind. There's policemen, teachers, thinkers. Matt said you'll get used to the creatures, but ach, I don't know. The convent is in a commotion of me thinking of taking the sparrows. And they were wondering I didn't have a notion of taking the bows. It's a beautiful life, and it keeps you from going down below. As a girl, I thought I'd try, but ach, I don't know. I've none of myself to look after, and though marriage, it fills me with fears. I think I'll have less of the laughter and more of the tears. I'll not be a slave like my mother, with six of us all in a row. One little baby's a bother, but ach, I don't know. Now there's a fella, he's taking me fancy. Now I know he's a bit of a lid, and though marriage is terribly chancy, I'm chancing with him. He's coming tonight. Ooh. I tingle him. From the top of my head to my toes, I tell him I'd rather stay single. But ah, I don't know. Not time for a different voice. I'm delighted to welcome uh, John Phillips. <coughs> He's a local man, a member of the Forby Civic Society. I know a lot of his friends are here today. And he's going to talk to us about Percy French's connection with Forby. We want to learn about the community. And you want to go back and try to understand what life was like. I'm thinking of maybe my grandparents right at the beginning of the 20th century. What was at the heart of, of their life? I'll tell you what a lot of people needed was the musical and the songs. It didn't have to be together, but the songs that you mentioned are so important. The songs that Reverend Matt mentioned, they're so important. And they kept people going. No telly, no radio, no YouTube. Just that's where you've got your entertainment from. In Liverpool, you'd have gone to the Star, which is roughly up by the, uh, the old market. But anyway, it's important that we, we remember that Percy French was so important in his day, and he wasn't just a singer. He was a great singer. On the stage, he was a great talker. He wrote poetry. He was a wordsmith. But at the heart of Percy French that I can see, though sadly I never met him, <laughs> or maybe that's a good thing, <laughs> I think that you found what we today might suggest was a people person. Every now and again you come across somebody, and you can put them in the company of anybody. Whoever that person is, and they'd be the same person, and they'd look them in the eye, and they'd get on with them. They'd never be put off by rank, by money, by wealth. They'd just be themselves. Percy French, I'm absolutely convinced, fitted that kind of category. He would he'd speak. Well, he was went to Sandringham, didn't he? He was invited there, the height of his fame. He was invited out into royal circles. Even though looked up or down, he'd look straight in the eye. And when he was short of his money in the First World War, because all the, the theatres were closed, he was back in Ireland, going through all the small villages, poorest of people. And he looked at them in the eye. He was, he was a people person. 
And because of what we've heard this morning, we remember, because of the song you just sang, we know this was the real McCoy. This was somebody who gave a lot of pleasure, but also thought and understanding and explained the human condition to the people who were there listening to him. He was multi-talented. He was an engineer by trade originally. Though the, the banjo took prior place before any engineering, thank you very much. He was a journalist. He edited the Jarvie, the Irish Punch. He was a great lyricist. It took him some while before he got married, but I will mention the fact that he did marry twice. That sad story of um, marrying in 1892 and losing his wife after one year, a one year and a day after the wedding, she died in childbirth and the, the baby girl three days later. Her name was Ethel, Etty, always called Etty. 1894, he married again. He married Helen. They had three children. I think it's absolutely fascinating. It, it's, it's a personal touch here. His first child to his second wife was the name of his first wife, Etty, who lived then right into the into the middle nineties. And her sister, the two of them lived right on to the till the nineteen nineties. It's, it's an amazing story. But he found his fame in London. When he went over with Helen, and bit by bit, Susan Collison must have played a big part in this, and you know far more, but that's not what I'm here to talk about. By 1895, 6, 7, he was a name. He was earning money. He came from a wealthy family, but he was earning money. I suspect he spent his money as quickly as he could, as he could earn it. But he was earning money. And this is an important time for us to think about formula. There was a, a mention made of a vicar of another church in Bournemouth. That church was Holy Trinity. The vicar was the first vicar of Holy Trinity Church. And his name was John Brooke Richardson. Not French, Richardson, but he was a cousin. Because Percy, who'd been born in a house, Clunico, doesn't stand anymore. But he, he was raised there and Percy French's father was the brother of the mother of the vicar, in other words, the cousins. Okay? So, so brought up as cousins, only a couple of years between them, they were friends from early life. They got on well. They shared interests. They ended up going to Trinity College together, Trinity College in Dublin. Percy French got there first, but I think that John Brooke Richardson soon caught him up in the terms of the work he did, and we probably overtook him. And then we find that John Brooke Richardson then became a vicar. And for whatever reason, the job he was offered was over this side of the water, in a place not far from here, in Waterloo, St John's in Waterloo. He was there for a number of years before eventually JBR. John Brooke Richardson, JBR, was actually offered um, the full-time vicar's job at this new church, Holy Trinity, in this growing village. Gosh, they must have had about 5,000 people there at the time. 
growing village, growing because of the prayer warrior coming in and inviting others to come and live here. So you had this new church, your new vicar. And that vicar is buried just down there. When you walk through the front gate, just on your right, go down about four graves, and there's this tombstone from 1928. These two cousins grown up together, virtually the same age, there they were. And it was, as we all know, when Percy French fell ill in Glasgow, it was here he came. I don't know how he got here. I'm only guessing it's got to be the train. JBR did have a fancy car, I suspect. He was one of the uh, early owners of motor cars in Formby. But he got here and lasted five days or so before he died, pneumonia, in the house which now carries on the wall. A beautiful house. It's got the blue plaque for, for Percy French on there. There's a lot in that story, but it's not just friendship, it's family. It's family. Percy French, we always call him Percy, don't we? Family. All his friends and family called him Willie because his name was William Percy French. He was always Willie. Percy French was his name after the William. It was his mother's surname. His mother was Susan Emma Percy. And it's quite common for families to do that. So he became William Percy after his mum French. And then he chose to use the name Percy French. That's the same thing when he was becoming famous. Who suggested it? We don't know. But, well, I just said it. But there you are. So he develops this. His cousin says he's over in, in Formby, this little dot. But in the mid 1890s, JBR, John Brock Richardson, the vicar of Holy Trinity, loses his father. Father was a very famous QC in Dublin, died. His mother, his auntie, decided she's going to join her son. And she came over to form me as well. She brought with her her sister, and she brought a son and a daughter, and they lived in a big house up around the corner at the if you know Formby Village, and there's one of two of you who might look a bit puzzled, you might have been here before, but if you know to Formby Village, there's a war memorial, and there's a mini roundabout. And from the war memorial, if you turn right, you see Marks and Spencers. And if you don't pass Marks and Spencers, you would have in the past got past Fred Norburn's pie shop. I always wanted to go there, but it was knocked down before it was born. But that's where it was, just down there. She had this huge house, and it's still there, with the strangest of names. Not even going to pronounce it. I've looked it up and looked it up. I'm convinced it's an Irish mountain. I'm convinced it is. Anyway, in there. There's 27 lodges in, uh, in Ireland, so I'm told. But the family was over here. Percy French came to for me because of his cousin, friend, the guy he wanted to see more than anybody, as Matt said to us before. And he also came to see his auntie and his cousins. 
It was family. <coughs> but there's another step. You're talking about Percy French, the entertainer. Somebody who's known across the United Kingdom. He had something he could help his cousin with. His cousin had a church which had just been built. His cousin needed funds. His cousin needed to raise money. And in 1898, it's the first time I could spot the famous Percy French coming to form me to help out for the fundraising in, the, in a summer fair. What they used to do, if you know for all the Freshfield Station, if you could avoid going into the, 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 the little pub just opposite, you don't turn left up the road, there used to be something called Oddity Field up there. And they'd place big tents up there, big pavilions up there, the locals would. And they'd have different smaller tents with them, including the singing tent of Cafe Chanton. Who do you think would be in the Cafe Chanton? Percy French. And Percy French would not just sing, he's not going to sing all day to try and raise money. He also did his quick fire drawings. They did say afterwards that there were many, many houses in Forby that had Percy French drawing on the wall. And we wasn't paid to like that because he was a magnificent watercolor artist. No, he, he did this. He'd be sitting down talking to you, doing a sketch, and he, he'd have his little tricks. He, he was able to do this kind of thing and raising the money for the church. And the second, the second time he arrived, he wasn't raising it for Holy Trinity, he was doing it for a school for St. Luke's. His cousin was the rector of Holy Trinity. He was raising the money for St. Luke's kids' school. And I think that he kept coming here whenever needed, right up until the First World War broke out when everything changed. It's difficult for us to imagine what happens when a World War I, World War I would have broken out. But the world changed. He lost his, if you like, uh, ability to make money. He had to find other ways of doing it. He wasn't going to be able to just travel around the country. But right up until 1914, from the final years of the 19th century, what did you have? You had Percy French coming up here to Formby. And he was seeing his cousin and spending time with him. And you think Percy French is going to just sit down and have a cup of tea in the front room of a house just at the top of Wicks Lane? No, he's going to be talking to people in the church hall. He's going to be walking the streets and talking to people there because I can't imagine him not doing it. And people would have known him. They knew his, his cousin very well, Jane Bjorn, the vicar. They knew him very, very well. He was a very popular person. And, and so you have it. I think that Percy French became known over that period of time, well informed. I really do think that's the answer. We've only got written evidence that I've got hold of from the first few years. Because there was a guy uh, called William Marshall, say, who was a member of the congregation and recorded what had happened. And actually, have I got time to say? Yeah, yeah. I want to read out just something William Marshall said. He said, 
Uh, you'll find that in about a week's time on the Civic Society website, we have this photograph that shows John Brooke Richardson as a number on it, and William Marshall say, they're all people in the Bible group. He had this huge Bible group, JBR did. But one of the William Marshall's name uh, wrote one or two things which are worth uh, saying. So let's have a look at this one. Um, I feel like Boris Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> Much preliminary organisation had been done, and the provision and direction of marquees, tents, boundary canvas, etc., was a formidable task. There were seven stalls in the big marquee, a refreshment marquee, a cafe chanson, a rifle shooting gallery, and various sideshows. Mr. Percy French's sessions in the Cafe Chanton were very popular and keenly enjoyed. He made lightning sketches with coloured crayons to illustrate his accompanying witty tales, sounds like that, and talks. Sometimes when these sketches were turned upside down, an entirely different picture was revealed. He held china plates or saucers over a lit candle until the surface was smoky black, then with matchsticks for brushes, etched beautiful pictures in black and white. He would burst into socks or monologues accompanying himself on his banjo. I, I, can, I can just see it. Of his own verses and parodies, he had an apparently inexhaustible store. His watercolour paintings of Irish bogs, lakes, coast scenery and skies together with his delightful pictures of corners of the Rose Garden. There were many other visits here to Forney, and that was written in 1898, and it went on. Um, so for a time, you've got, you've got a famous person walking the streets of a town of something like 5,000 people, venuing here. And he, and he would, I swear, get on with anybody. 1920, he passed away. You don't come to Formby unless you're aiming for it. And he came to, to be recuperating with his cousin and the family. When he died, the service outside, his wife was here, and a number of notable people from Formby. The Formby people would recognise their names. One being, for example, Dr. Arthur Barry Sykes, very well-known person, the man who gave Duke Street to Formby. He actually bought Duke Street Farm, and then said, this is for the people of Formby forever. Gave it to them. He was there, and the number of other people we, we, whose names we recognised. In 1928 was the funeral of his cousin. Not so long later, he died in 71, John Brooke Richardson. He'd been ill for some time. He was a man who deserves to be known more about, but not today. The important thing is his relationship with his cousin. But if you pop down, just outside the chancel here, as I say, about four along. That's his too. And I think it would be a very nice thing for people to just pay their respects to John Brooke Richardson, his, his lovely cousin. 
if they go down that way. I think it's worth doing that. And then in 1970, on a pleasant day, on a Sunday, it was the 50th anniversary. And the Irish Centre and Liverpool raised the money to put that block of more granite out there, as you'll see yourself. It, it, it sometimes it's like Percy was there saying a word to him, McCullough, when you were there, because we had our meeting a few weeks. I have to say this. I walked in, I, I walked in straight to GDR's tomb, and as I'm walking up, I see, I, I, of course, I saw Percy French walking through, and I, I'm not given to this kind of thing. But there was a man with a large moustache and a quite floppy hat walking about the grounds. And I was, I was just a little concerned in case Percy French has more skills than I've ever lived <laughs> But it wasn't, it wasn't. When I met the gentleman himself, he took off the moustache and the hat and he said, he said, well, I just feel better for that. Thanks, <laughs> Jenny. <laughs> but, but, but it's, um, on, the, on that day in 1970, they brought along to open, with the new grants though, um, Brendan O'Dowder, who's a name that many of you may know, and if you don't, get onto YouTube and you'll see all kinds of songs <laughs> on Percy French, sung by Brendan O'Dowder, who came over here in 1970. All this information we will put on the website. It's written up, it's a question of, we want to make sure we've got bits and pieces there that, uh, the, that acted the story from the former times of the day. But I, I looked wonderful bit in the former times, in, in, in the um, 1920 review of the, of the pupil, one of the guys said he, he wrote so many songs, and some of them, such as the Mountains of War, will probably be known for many years to come. That was written in 1920. If there's any questions, Jenny will doubt for the answer. Formby Podcast is an independent production. It comes to you free. If you'd like us to tell your story, or you know of a story, contact us at formbypodcast at gmail.com. See you next time.